0: Well, it is absolutely whether you want it to be or not, whether you're ready or not, it's Christmas time, isn't it? Hey, he's ready. I am with you. Yes. I love Christmas time. I love it. And uh, even with the hustle and the bustle and the extra chaos that we ensue ourselves, I, I love it all. I love it. And um, most people right now are very much in, in gift mode, right? in present buying mode, and thinking through all that, uh, unless you're like me and haven't done a single bit of it. Yes, I have to get started. I have to get going. Uh, but I'm still thinking about it. You know, everybody's there. Everybody's in that, that mindset of gifts and, and presents. And the question uh, on most people's minds, it happens every time this, every, uh, this time of year, every year, is, um, is one question. To re-gift... Or not to regift, right? Everybody's thinking about that. Should I should I regift uh, that thing that's in my closet? That thing that's in my cabinet that I've never touched? Should I regift that? And who should I regift it to? Or do I need to just avoid regifting entirely and just get everybody new stuff? Well, to help you with that, I have a few examples of the most common re items, just a few of them. This is according to the Daily Mail website, all right? This is what most commonly gets re-gifted. The ugly sweater. This is the unintentional ugly sweater, ugly sweater, right? Yeah, this was, this was given, you know, because someone thought that this person would really, really enjoy it. You, you know what that, that's like. How many people have ever gotten an ugly sweater or something similar? Go ahead. Don't be shy. It's Okay. How many have re-gifted said sweater? All right, brave, nice. The rest of you, rest of you, you lie. <laughs> I know you did it. So the, the sweater is okay to re-gift as long as you make sure you don't re-gift it to the person who got you the sweater to begin with. you got to be careful with that. Um, but, but yeah, re-gifting that one is, is okay. Uh, the other uh, very popular thing to re-gift um, a, a, along with the, the sweater, the next thing, there, go ahead, Tom, uh, is the board games. I mean, that, that's a huge one, right? I mean, everybody's re board games at some point. And, uh, and that's, all, that's all good, because we all probably have a lot of board games, especially if you have kids, and it's very easy to get a duplicate. So go ahead and re-gift it. Just make sure it's not been open. Make sure that there's not, like, half of, of the money missing from Monopoly. That's the only thing you need to be careful about. But, but re-gifting board games, that's a big one. And then uh, also in addition to that, yes, the gift card. The Almighty gift card. Gift cards are like the best regift ever. Uh, I mean, that's great. Everybody wants gift cards. Everybody can use a gift card. Um, so go ahead and regift that if it's, if you've get, gotten one that you already have, maybe, or or they don't have uh, the restaurant or the store that the gift card is for. Just make sure that it, it hasn't been used partially. You know, because that would that would create some awkward conversation. So gift cards, though, great great regift item. And then, along with the gift card, the gift baskets. Love gift baskets. They're great. But uh, a little little bit of a a heads up on this, something to be aware of. Don't um, sample the items to make sure they're okay, and then put them back in. And also, you want to check the expiration dates on all that stuff in the gift bags, because nothing says Merry Christmas like Salmonella, right? (laughs) So... So just be careful, all right? So those are just a few of the the most common re-gift items that you probably have done or you've received it. And, um, you know, whether or not you decide to go the re-gift route this year for Christmas, um, no matter where you land on that, there is one gift that every Christian should be constantly re-gifting. And that is the gift of Christ. The gift of Christ. We need to be constantly re-gifting Jesus Christ. Because He is the gift of Christmas. He is the ultimate gift. And it's from Him that all other gifts really ultimately come. And every gift that we could give, no matter how good it might be, is going to just be this pale shadow in comparison to the gift that He is. He is the ultimate gift. He's the most perfect gift. He is the most needed gift. He is what Christmas is all about. Christ is what makes Christmas, Christmas. And so for the next few weeks in this series, we're going to be unwrapping, see what I did there? We're going to be unwrapping some of the specific gifts that are wrapped up in the overall gift of Christ coming to earth. Entering into humanity. And to kick things off today, we're going to be talking about the gift of light. The gift of light. Let's pray together. Father, we come to this place and and we we truly are in awe of all that you have brought about. Father, thank you. For all the gifts you've given into our lives. Truly, as your word says, every good and perfect gift comes down to us from the Father of lights. But Father, none is more perfect. None is more spectacular. None is more significant than the gift of your own Son. So we celebrate and we worship and we marvel at the gift of Jesus Christ this morning. I pray that your spirit would be our teacher. That as we see just how incredible it is that Christ came, as we focus in specifically on on the light of Christ and the gift of light through him, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would tune our hearts and our minds to understand and to grasp the weight of what it means that Christ came. And may you shine the light of Christ anew and afresh on our hearts this morning. We'll give you all the praise and glory for it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love Christmas lights. It's one of my favorite things about Christmas, is Christmas lights. Um, I, I love to go look at them. We, we try to do that as a family every year. That's kind of our tradition. I'm sure it is yours as well. We, I love our own lights. Um, and, and usually, um, it's the same kind of lights that we, we do, you know, from year after year. This year... I don't know if we already had them or if she just found them new somewhere, but Leanne got these really super bright LED lights, and and at first she she put them on the tree, inside inside our tree in the living room, and she plugged them in. I looked over and it was like whoa, it's like wow, give me sunglasses quick, my eyes are melting here. I mean that's how bright they were, and um, then. We decided you know this probably isn 't a good good idea we don 't want aircraft like landing in our living room so so we, she, we took the lights she, she put them on our on our porch on our banister and, um, and plugged them in and you know even though we saw how bright they were inside. Every time you go to plug them in now at outside in the dark, it still takes you by surprise. Because it's, you know, it's dark and it's night. And then all of a sudden, bam! This bright blue LED light. And you're like, ah! You know? So uh, w- as I see that and as I think about that, I thought, how crazy must that have been? The night that the shepherds were there in the fields watching their sheep when the angel came to make that announcement. I mean... Wow. Let's look at what the scripture says. Uh, Luke 2, 8-11 through 11 says this, and this is not on your handout, but it is on the screen for you. Um, the Bible says, In the same region, and the same region is the region as Mary and Joseph and the newborn Jesus, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night. And remember, this is first century. This is in Israel. This is without, you know skylights and and everything like that. It's just the light of the stars, if there were even stars out that night. I mean, it's dark. It's really, really dark. Middle of night. They were keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. Hey, guys. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Yeah, I'd say they were terrified. I mean, if it would be me, I'd be like, clean up on aisle three. Clean up on aisle three. Anybody got a change of robes? You know? I mean, because it's pitch black. It's dark. You don't really hear much except your sheep. And then all of a sudden there's an angel there. And he's come with special effects. He's there with the glory of heaven. He's there with all the the brilliant light of being in God's presence. It's just, whoom! You know? It's nothing, nothing, nothing. Dark, dark, dark. And all of a sudden, bam! There's an angel. And all the glory of heaven is surrounding him. Yeah, I'd say that, you know... Terrified is the, the accurate word there. Verse 10, But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. <laughs> if I'm the shepherd, I'm thinking, Oh, okay, yeah, easy for you to say, Mr. Angel. You know? I, I'm here, I'm watching my sheep, I'm trying not to fall asleep, and all of a sudden you show up with like a million burning suns, you know, right in front of me. But yeah, I, I'm fine, really. Don't be afraid. Why, why, why did he not want him to be afraid? Look, look at what it says. For look, I proclaim to you good news, which is what the gospel literally means, by the way. The word gospel, it's good news. It's the good news, the ultimate good news. And this angel's proclaiming it. What, what that really is, is conveying is this angel is preaching the gospel. He's proclaiming it. He's the announcer of the advent of the Son of God. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord, the one that your people have been looking for and waiting for and wondering if He would, would ever come. For centuries, you've been waiting. For centuries, you've been wondering when will He show up? How will He show up? Who will it be? Well, I'm here to tell you He's here. He's arrived. Messiah has come. Messiah, the Lord, the divine Messiah. He's not just a person that's come to deliver. He's not just a Messiah. He is the Messiah. He's the divine Savior. He was born for you. Aren't you glad God's a personal God? He's a personal God, church. He loves you personally. He loves you directly. He loves you intimately. He knows you. Yes, you. Just you. And he knows me. And he loves me. And he loves you individually and personally. And he's an individual Savior. He's not just the Savior of the world. He's Chris Chesley's Savior. And he's your Savior if you've received him. Yours, personally. He's Messiah, the Lord. He was born for you in the city. Of David. That's why I don't want you to be afraid, the angel saying. That's why me coming here is not meant to scare you. Me coming here is meant to fill you with joy and with hope. Because everything that you've been waiting for has finally happened. Nothing's ever going to be the same. Those 400 years of silence from heaven that you've all endured, that 400 years without a, a prophet or a message or a divine revelation, that's all changed. God is with you. Literally. Emmanuel has come. And it changed everything. Well, what I want you to really focus on, as, as powerful as that, that is, that's really act one of the shepherd's involvement in the, the Christmas story. That's act one. What I really want you to focus in on is verses 15 through 18 of Luke 2. Luke 2, 15 through 18. And this is on your handout. So fast-forwarding a little bit, um, the angel was there, and after, after he said what he did, the one angel, the Bible says, suddenly the, a multitude of the heavenly host was with them. I mean, so it's like, I just, I like to imagine, you know, the scene in Scripture. And so I see the shepherds like kind of calming down and even getting a little bit excited, and then all of a sudden there's a multitude of angels, and it's like, fear back, fear back, you know? I mean, because this is like the special forces of heaven. I mean, that's what it was. It was the multitude. It was like a band of heavenly soldiers. And they were all just praising God and giving glory to God. These poor shepherds. I mean, it's like, okay, I need another change of robes, please. Um, so all that happened. We pick up in verse 15. It says this. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem to see what has happened. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe there was a little bit of a, uh, hey, uh, Joe, um, you did see that, right? Like, that that wasn't just me, was it? Yeah, I I saw it. Okay, good, good. Making sure I'm all right. Making sure I didn't get any bad lentil stew or something, you know? Um, So they they made sure that, yeah, they, they verified what they saw. And then they said this, they said this, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened. Guys, that's faith. That's faith being acted on. That's them hearing this announcement from the angels and recognizing, yes, this came from God. God communicated this to us. God revealed to us Messiah is here. We know it's God. Now let's go see what he's done. It's faith. It's beautiful. And it's faith in action. Faith will always result in action being done. You know, Once we recognize what God is, has told us to do, once we recognize what God is communicating to us, once we recognize what he's showing us, then we have to act on it. Because faith always acts. Remember what James 2 says, faith without works is dead and useless. Faith always acts. And we see that on the part of the shepherds. They heard the message, they heard the announcement, they received it, they believed it, and then they acted on it. They hurried off, they didn't wait around, they didn't deliberate, they just went. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, I don't want you to miss this part, that's why it's in bold on your handout. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. After seeing them, you know, for themselves with their own eyes... They reported the message they were told about this child. This is significant for a couple of reasons. One, the fact that they did this is just, it's really, really significant to me because the shepherds and shepherds in general were pretty much outcast in terms of society of that day. The culture of this day did not look favorably on shepherds, they weren't invited to the parties. They were looked down on, they kind of had the stigma. They were viewed as kind of untrustworthy, unsavory characters. You know, they were the butt of the jokes. They just, they weren't treated well. And so here's, I mean, that's what makes the announcement from God to these shepherds so significant. And it's really uh, a precursor of how the ministry of Jesus was going to be, you know. But here's these shepherds. They're used to being the last to know anything. They're used to being disrespected. And, you know, the cynical side of me, just humanly speaking, sees these shepherds, and I would kind of get if they wanted to maybe hold on to this little nugget of knowledge, you know? Like, I, I, I could see them going around singing, you know, do you know what I know? And then the person says, no, no, I don't. And you never will. Right? I mean, that, that's, just, that's just the cynic in me, okay? They didn't do that. So I I just find that very significant that that they forgot about any of the the ways that they maybe have been treated or looked down on. That wasn't what was important to them. They realized, hey, something much bigger than us is going on. Something great is happening. We can't keep it inside. We've got to let this be known. And that's what they did. And that's the other thing that's significant, is that they re-gifted the gift that they had just received. Because even though it's not implicit here, in Scripture, it, it certainly um, can can be absolutely taken away that these shepherds were now changed forever as a result of what they see. Because if not, they would not have gone out and spread the word. the The very fact that they they went out and they they told, they reported the message to everyone and, and anyone who would listen shows that their heart was right. That their heart grasped the gravity, the weight, the glory of all that they were seeing. And I, I just personally believe without any doubt that these men embraced the gift of Christ at this point. They embraced the gift of light that Jesus was. They received it themselves and then they went and re what they had received to everyone and anyone who was willing. And that's exactly what we need to do, church. If you have received the gift of Christ, if, if you have received and embraced the gift of light that Jesus is, if you've been embraced by him and you've been changed by him, if you've given him your life, you are now to be a messenger. You are now to re-gift the gift you've received. The gift of life, the gift of light, the gift of hope, the gift of love. Don't hang on to that. Do what the shepherds did, and, and where, where they said, this is so much bigger than me. This is not about me at, at all. I've got to let people know that this Savior has been born for them, just like he's been born for me. And truly encountering Christ will always result in that desire that you're not going to be able to keep it to yourself. You're not going to be able to keep it inside. You're going to have to proclaim it. You're going to have to have to let everybody know that there is a Savior who loves them just like He loves you, that there is a Savior who came for them just like He came for you, that there is a Savior whose blood was shed to cover all of their sins just like He shed His blood to cover yours, and then He rose again and lives forevermore and will be returning one day. That's the gospel. That's the announcement of the advent both the first and the second. And that's what we need to be about, just like the shepherds were. The gift of light wasn't the light the angels brought with them. It wasn't the glory of heaven that they were, they were filled with as a result of being in God's presence. The gift of light wasn't even the news or the announcement about Jesus being born that the shepherds spread. No, the gift of light that came through the coming of Jesus was Christ himself. Christ himself. John eight twelve. Look at what the Bible says here. This is Jesus speaking. Then Jesus spoke to them again and said this, I am the light of the world. One of several very famous... I am statements in John that that where Jesus openly let people know about his divinity. Where he said, I am Yahweh. I am the God of the Old Testament here in the flesh, here before you. And and there's there's attributes and there's characteristics and things that I have and, and can offer you that only God could. I am the light of the world. And others were, I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. This is just one in a series of statements. But he says, I am the light of the world. Not a light. I'm not not a part of an overall bigger light. I'm not one example of light. No, I am the light of the world. I'm it. I'm exclusively the source of light. I'm ultimately the source of light. I am the eternal light and I am here now. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me, anyone who follows me, anyone who commits their life to me, anyone who becomes one of my disciples, will never walk in the darkness. And, and walking has the idea of, of being um, dominated by that, you know, being, being uh, defined by it, being saturated by it, dwelling in it. Jesus is saying, if you follow me, the light of the world, you'll never have to be defined by darkness. Isn't that great news? You never will have to be dominated by the darkness around you. You don't have to be saturated by the darkness of this world. You don't have to dwell in it. And anyone who follows me will never do that. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness. But here's this contrast. Think of the contrast with the, the night the shepherds were in and then the angel appearing, that contrast. Think of, of the darkness around your own house and then the Christmas lights getting plugged in, that stark contrast that's there. This is that, that same kind of contrast. You'll never walk in darkness if you follow Christ, the light of the world. Instead, you'll have the light of life. You'll have the light of life. That's what we all need, it's what we all want. We want the light of life. We need the light of life. Especially considering how dark the world around us is. The time in which we're living. It's not getting brighter, is it? No, it's getting darker all the time, constantly. So the darker the world and our our age gets, the more and more we should want to have the light of life. And it's only available in and through Jesus Christ. Because He's the light of the world. You know, just as soon as we get our lights up, our decorations up, it seems like it's time to to take them down, doesn't it? And that's how fast the Christmas season goes. It's like, wait a second, I just decorated last week. And and just about every time that those lights get taken down and all the stuff gets put back up in the in the boxes and in the attic, you know, there's a little bit of a little bit of depression that sets in, isn't there? A little bit of you just feel a little down. Because you're headed right into the, the, the bleakness of winter, you know, the long, cold, dark, dreary winter. And, and it's just kind of disappointing. But what I want you to know, what, you, what I want you to believe and remember is that the light of Christmas is constant. The true light of Christmas is constant. Because the light of Christmas is Christ. Christ. The light of Christmas is constant because the light of Christmas is Christ. So after the Christmas lights are are done away with and after they're all gone, you still have the ability... To know and to see and to experience and to feel and to share the light of Christmas. Because the light of Christmas is not tied to the lights. It's not tied to the trees. It's not tied to the decorations. It's not tied to the gifts. It's not tied to that emotional high that you feel. The light of Christmas is tied to Christ himself. And the really good news is, it's never going to fade away. Ever. John 1 5. John writes there about the light of Christ that came into the world. He says this, The light shines in the darkness. The light of Christ he's talking about. Shines in the darkness. The darkness of the world. The darkness of evil. The darkness of our circumstances. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Isn't that great news? It's great news for me and it's great news for you because what that means is no matter how dark the world around us gets, no matter how dark our own circumstances might be, no matter how dark your past is, no matter how dark your present might be, it's never, ever going to overcome or overshadow or cause any fading in any way to the light of Jesus Christ. His light is always going to shine. His light is always going to be perfect. His light always has the, the ability to totally change your life and the lives of those around you. We need to believe that. We need to remember that. And you know what else the light of Christ does with the dark? It takes it, turns it on its head, and uses it just to highlight its own brightness. You know, because think about it. Think about the, the night and the, and the darkness What does it do to any light, small or big? All it does is highlights it, right? The light, a light stands out that much more when it's in the dark. The dark just focuses really your attention on the light when it appears. Just like Christmas lights. You know, they they may be on during the day, but you can hardly see them. I mean, you have to look closely because they're just not that, that bright during the day. But when night falls... When darkness comes around those Christmas lights, man, they're bright because the darkness accentuates it. Church, that's exactly what Jesus' light does to the darkness. It takes it and it uses it just to magnify its own light all the more. Isn't that great? That's hope. That's what we're called to remember and to embrace. This light of of, of Christmas is constant because it's Christ, and that's never going to change. Hebrews 13.8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, in the past, today, in your present, and forever. Forever in the future. We need constancy in our lives. We need constancy. In a time where there's very little that's absolute around us, in a time where there's very little that we can absolutely bank on, in a time where more and more things that we thought were sure and were a given are just being eroded and, and going away, we need constancy. My friends, the ultimate source and example of constancy is found in Jesus Christ. Look to His light. Embrace His light because it will never fade and it will never change. People are going to let you down. People are going to let me down. I'm going to let you down at some point and vice versa. We're not going to always going to be there for each other. There will be a time when encouragement will be very hard to find, comfort will be very hard to find. It will seem like you will have no one in your life or no one in your corner, no one on your side. We've all been there. We understand what that would would feel like. We can identify with how the the people of Israel would have felt for those 400 years of, of utter silence. The time around Christ's coming was a time of incredible darkness under the weight of the Roman Empire where it seemed like all hope was lost and people had to have been saying, God, where are you? Where are your promises now? Why are you not listening? Why am I going through this? Where are you, God? And I think we've all at some point been there, right? We know how it is to ask those questions. We know how it is to feel like there's no one for us. Oh, my friend, my friend. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never let you down. He will never let go of you. He will never leave you. And his light will always, always shine through any darkness, no matter how thick and heavy it may be or seem. His light is always there. His light is always shining. And he's called you into that light. What are we supposed to do with this? What does this mean for us? Matthew 5, 14 through 16 gives us the answer, what we're supposed to do with this and the impact this is supposed to make on our lives and how we're supposed to go forward with this. Jesus, again, speaking here, and he says this, You, you are the light of the world. Why? How is that, how is that possible? How is that true? If he's the light of the world, how can we be the light of the world? Well, it's because if we, like he said in John eight twelve, if we follow him... If we are His, if we're in Christ, who is the light of the world, then we receive His light in us. You get it? See that connection? If we're in Christ, who is the light of the world, then we, as His followers, as Christians, as little Christ, which is what Christian means, as followers and imitators of Him, we have His light in and of ourselves. Not because it's from us, not because we generated it or manufactured it, we can't. But he gives us his light, and he fills us with it. It's part of what's so amazing about being a Christian. You get the light of the world in your own life. So he says, you are the light of the world because you're in me, as followers of me. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. We know that's true. You, know, you see a, a lighted city far off, you know, even if it's a small one. You can't miss it. Your eyes go right to that source of light because it's such a contrast to the dark. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden and no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket of course not but rather on a lampstand and it gives light for all who are in the house in the same way in the same way just like that let your light that you get from Christ through Christ in Christ let your light shine before men so that Here's the purpose for that. So that they, mankind, the world, may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. See, it's not about us. Our Christian life, our time on earth, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not, not all about you. It's about shining the light of the world that we've been given by the light of the world to the world around us. It's it's living in a way that that our conduct, our actions, our lifestyle is just like this huge spotlight shining out. And the people will will not help but notice it. They they won't be able to to deny it. Just like we can't help but see light in the middle of a a very dark room or, or the dark Um, night outside, we can't help our eyes go right to a source of light, even if it's small. That's exactly how it's supposed to be with us, that we're supposed to live as Christians in this dark world in such a way that the light is constantly shining out, and it's just like a mirror that comes out and then reflects back up to God, so that when people around us see the light coming out of us in the middle of their darkness, they'll say, whoa, where is this coming from? How is this possible? Where is this light that you have? How, How can I... Experience that. And then we say, His name is Jesus Christ. Let me introduce you to Him. We say, Whoa, 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 don't look at us. No, no, no. This light is not from us in and of ourselves. This light is not about us. This light is from Jesus and it's for Jesus. I'm pointing you to Him. We're to be reflectors. As Jesus is the constant light of Christmas in all of its truest sense." We are to be constantly reflecting the light of Christmas to the world around us and then ultimately back to him. And here's the really good news with that. The Lord Jesus Christ has not called you to be a big, huge, flashy light. You don't have to be the big, blue, LED light. He just asks you to be the light that he's called you to be. And you know what, there are times in everyone's life, all of us are going to have times where we're up and we're down, times where we feel like a thousand LED lights, and we're just, we're great, we're ready to go, and times where it's like that shorted Christmas light that we all get frustrated by that never quite works. We feel that, don't we, at different times. You know what, the great, great part of us being the light is, here, here it is, it's not up to us to keep the light going. It's not up to us to keep the light going. The Holy Spirit given to us through Christ, he's the one that keeps the light burning, that keeps the light going. And even in your weakest moments, when you feel like your light's just flickering, he can take that light, he can turn it on, and he can amplify and magnify it so that it's brighter than anything anyone's ever seen. It's all up to God. And it's all by God. That's what we're called to. We're called to just to be faithful. We're not called to generate this spectacular light in and of ourselves. We're called to say, here I am, God. I'm just this small, one, little flickering light. But here I am. I want to be used by you. I want this light to go out of me and to shine to the world around me. I want you to use me to penetrate the darkness. Here I am, feeble and weak as I am. Take me, God, and use me. And he'll say, yes, I will. I will. And he'll take us and he'll just blow us up all for his glory and for the good of all those around us. The Christian, your task is to be faithful. And that's our primary task. The Christian's primary task on earth is to constantly reflect the light of Christ to everyone around us. That's what we're called to be once we have received the light ourselves. We're called to share it. We're called to re-gift the gift we've been given, okay? Okay? Let's pray together. And Before I actually lead us in prayer, with everybody's heads bowed, no one looking around or distracted, I just want to ask is there, if there's anyone here that would admit with all the honesty in their heart that they can that you are not in the light of Christ yet. You've not received his light for yourself. You've not committed yourself to Jesus Christ you know about Christmas, you even know about Jesus, but you've never taken the step to actually surrender your whole person to him. I want to give you that chance, and I, I definitely just want to pray for you. Uh, is there anybody who would say, that's me? Pray for me in that way that I will commit my life to the light of Christ. Anyone that would say, that's me? Anyone at all? Okay? Let me ask you this then, my fellow brother and sister. Did the Holy Spirit convict you of the fact that you haven't been really doing anything with the light you have? That you haven't been shining the light that is in you like you're supposed to? You've just been sitting on it. You have been kind of putting it under that basket instead of on the lampstand. Can I pray for you in that way? Is there anyone who would say, pray for me in that? I need to do a better job. Thanks for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. You pray for me too on that, okay? Let's pray for each other. Let's hold each other up. Let's support each other in this because this is what we're all called to do as the Church of Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for our new members. Bless them, Father, I pray. And I pray that they will truly feel welcomed and and they will feel the warmth of this place. I pray that we would be an encouragement to them and they to us and help us to, to, to truly partner together going forward here at this church and this community to be the light of Christ. Father, I pray for those specifically who just raised their hand, saying, yeah, the Holy Spirit did speak to me today. He did challenge me. I need to be more of a a light to those around me. I need to be shining that more. I need to be like the shepherds and just proclaiming it to everyone. I pray, Father, that you would honor their recognition of that need. Please honor the work of the Spirit in their hearts today and give them the desire and the passion and the hunger for the lost and the courage to be available for the Spirit of God to use to bring others into that light. Thank you for the light of Christmas, that it's not about anything or anyone except for Jesus Christ, and because he is the light of the world, that light will never go out. Thank you for that promise. May it fill us with hope. May it fill us with encouragement and joy and purpose. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.